There is a utopia at the heart of Scientology's network of organizations. It is 500 acres where there are no laws or government other than the laws and government of Scientology. Few people know of its existence, and only a small percentage of those people are Scientologists. It is both one of the world's largest film studios and the international headquarters of Scientology, the commanding base that guides all Scientologists as well as hundreds of separate organizations that form the cult of Scientology. The base is called Gold Base, or the International Base, or Int Base for short. In the world of Scientology, all roads lead to Int Base. Yet, the Int Base is one of Scientology's most closely guarded facilities. Built up from an old retreat in the middle of the desert, 80 miles from Los Angeles, the Int Base is surrounded by walls which act as shields against American law and other external influences. Int Base is the home of the leader of Scientology, as well as the home of about 400 Scientology workers. While Scientology's leader, David Miscavige, travels freely throughout the world, the other inhabitants of InBase are not allowed to leave. There have been many attempted escapes, but most of those have ended in recapture and harsh punishment. The former head of security for the base estimated that 95 to 97% of the people who escaped InBase were later recaptured. Infrared cameras, razor-sharp spiked fences, a lookout point on a nearby mountain, as well as motion sensors embedded into the fences and ground have been installed to aid against escape attempts, and the entire population of the base holds regular escapee drills, so everyone at the base is always ready to go into lockdown when an escape attempt is made. Technology and escape drills aside, the biggest obstacle for an escapee is their own mind, which I talked a little about in the first recording. Still, some people have managed to beat the odds and permanently break out of Scientology utopia. Theoretically, it would be the dream of any Scientologist who worked at the church to be able to live and work at Intbase. Scientologists who know about the base refer to traveling there as going over the rainbow. Here's a clip from a Scientology promo video advertising the facilities. This is where we live. It's really extraordinary the amount of care that goes into making sure we're doing well that we have everything we need, all the way down to a personal staff dentist. Everything is in-house, like you have all these facilities that you need for production. It really is a distraction for the environment. The in-house dentist is an interesting feature of the base. I assume there is a dentist at InBase because people have escaped by claiming the need to leave the base for health reasons. Ten years ago, there was a successful escape attempt from InBase that involved a worker claiming that she needed to go to the eye doctor. When she left the base for her eye appointment, a guard accompanied her. However, she was able to flee the guard in a parking lot, jump into a taxi, and from there, travel halfway across the country to reunite with her husband who also successfully escaped the base. I am telling you about InBase because this was the home of Shelley Miscavige before she disappeared, or, as I'll discuss later, before she was transferred to a more remote, though equally as guarded, hidden Scientology base. I have been focusing on Shelley's disappearance not just because it is an unsolved and ongoing crime Scientology is committing, but because her disappearance came at a turning point in the internal workings of the church. Since Shelley's absence from InBase, Scientology has changed. You can visibly see this change by looking at the buildings the church owns. From my own experience in the past 10 years, Scientology buildings have become soulless structures, unashamedly devoid of life and liberty. Accounts from inside the church indicate that sometimes there are more staff in the buildings than parishioners receiving Scientology services. 
This is as eerie as a college campus that has more professors than students. And yet, the absence of parishioners receiving services does not mean Scientology is dead or even dying. Scientology continues to receive millions of dollars from its parishioners, however few there may be. According to Jeffrey Augustine's blog called The Scientology Money Project, Scientology was worth about $1.7 billion in January of 2015. So how is this possible? The leader of Scientology, David Miscavige, is no longer interested in religious aspects of Scientology, and therefore getting parishioners to do religious services are no longer important to the church. Though people often blame David for Scientology's change of focus, it is possible that David's lack of interest in religious services is a reflection of the parishioners' lack of interest. Scientology was created in the 1950s and 60s, and to be blunt, it's becoming dated. Here's a clip from a leaked recording that illustrates Scientology's age. This is L. Ron Hubbard sounding like racist grandpa. I remember one time learning Igoroti in a single night. I, I sat up uh, by a kerosene lantern and took a list of words that had been made by an old missionary. Igoroti, these are a people up in, in Luzon and the Philippines. They have a very, very simple sort of baby talk language. And this missionary had phoneticized their language. And uh, he had made a list of the main words and their uses and their grammar. And so on and I remember sitting up under a mosquito net with the mosquitoes. Uh, very, very hungrily chomping their beaks just outside the net and uh, learning this language, 300 words. Just simply sat down and memorized these 300 words and knew what they meant. And the next day, uh, I started to get them in line and align them with people, do you see? And was speaking Igorodi in a very short space of time. This is uh, very easy since it's a very, very simple language. It only has 300 words in it. I think the, the usual university student uses four or five hundred words as his standard vocabulary. But uh, Nigarodi, you see, is almost as bright then as the average university student. These days, David is backing away from L. Ron Hubbard's words, and therefore Scientology's scripture and religious aspects. Though David still promotes Scientology as a religion for tax purposes, in reality, he is de-emphasizing the religious services of Scientology while emphasizing his powers as a religion. This may not make any sense at first. It would be like if the Pope stopped talking about the power of God and started talking about the power of Catholicism. A religious person might question the Pope's new proclamation by asking, what is Catholicism's power without God's power? But to an atheist, the answer is obvious. The Catholic Church doesn't need God to have power but they do need people to believe in God. An interesting aspect of modern Scientology is that after David Miscavige took control, Scientologists have transformed into something close to atheists within their own church. Just as an atheist would view the Catholic Church's power as not being derived from God, and instead being derived from the premise of God's power, the emphasis in the Church of Scientology is no longer on spirituality, but on the premise of spirituality's power. For example, Scientologists promote Scientology as a religion soaked in spirituality, but in reality, they rarely attend services. Instead of focusing on the scriptures and religious aspects of Scientology, the Church now tells its parishioners that promoting the religious aspects of Scientology is the most potent spiritual religious act they can do. I suspect if Shelley Miscavige had stayed living at Inbase, she would not have been happy with this change of course. 
By all accounts, Shelley was a true believer in the religious aspects of Scientology. There are many examples in which she proved her piety, but the best example comes from something she told Gary Moorhead, the former head security guard of Intbase. To understand what she said, I have to explain that when Scientologists escape from Intbase, they become at risk of being excommunicated from the church. Excommunication would mean losing all friends and family, wives, husbands, children, etc. In order to not be excommunicated, they have to pay a fine to the church that can add up to hundreds of thousands of dollars. The fine is ironically called a freeloader's bill, even though workers at Intbase have a habit of working over 100 hours a week for little to no pay. When discussing the freeloader's bill with Moorhead, Shelley admitted that she didn't care about the monetary aspect of the bill. The freeloader debt, according to Shelley, was to quote, make sure people continue with Scientology, unquote. This pious attitude may be one of the main reasons Shelley was disappeared, as her piousness contrasts with the course her husband set Scientology on. Her husband David, however, has not participated in Scientology services since the mid-90s, and he left his spiritual path midway on a specific church service called OT3. On the other hand, David cares very much about Scientology as an organization, especially when it comes to its monetary aspects. The justification behind Scientology's new direction comes from an idea that all Scientologists believe to be a universal truth. This is a big one, and it involves you, so I hope you're sitting down for this. Scientologists believe that Scientology is fighting a war for universal domination against psychiatrists, or as Scientology calls them, psychs. The psychs have not only created evil things that plague our souls, but they have made mankind confused, clueless, and helpless against those evil things. I'd like to make that point very clear. Scientologists think that you are confused, clueless, and helpless. Scientologists believe that your fate is not in your hands. Your fate is in the hands of Scientologists. Or, as Tom Cruise puts it, We are the authorities on getting people off drugs. We are the authorities on the mind. We are the authorities on improving conditions. Criminon, we can rehabilitate criminals. Way to happiness, we can bring peace uh, and unite cultures. that once you know these tools and you know that they work, it's, it's not good enough that, that I'm just doing okay. Traveling the world and meeting the people that, I, that I've met, you know, talking with these leaders in the various fields. They want help and they are depending on people who know and who can be effective and do it and that's us that is our responsibility to do that it is the time now now is the time okay it is being a scientologist people are turning to you so you better know it you better know it and if you don't you know go and learn it but don't pretend you know it and or for you know whatever it's like we're here to help I mean, if you're a Scientologist, you see life, you see things the way they are in all its glory, you know, all of its complexity. Uh, And the more you know as a Scientologist, you don't become overwhelmed by it. Thanks, Tom. By the way, if the editing seemed a little odd, it's because David Miscavige personally edited the video this clip came from. 
But wait, there's more to the war for global domination Scientology thinks it's fighting. Scientologists believe that everyone lives forever. That means they believe that you'll never die. Your body may die, but you, as a spirit, will go on forever. The catch is that you will live forever in a confused, clueless, and helpless state. This is mostly because of the evil the Sykes created, which they created millions, billions, or trillions of years ago. I can't remember which it is. The point is, the history books say psychiatry was invented about 200 years ago. Scientology claims that psychiatrists have been around since before the Big Bang. Scientology, however, is the cure to the evil created by the Sykes those many years ago. And the more money parishioners give to Scientology, the more it will tip the balance in Scientology's favor so Scientology can win the war against psychiatry and take over the world. Once Scientology has taken over the world, everyone will be free from their confused, clueless, and helpless states for eternity. Or, as Tom Cruise puts it, Look, I wish the world was a different place. I'd like to go on vacation and go and romp and play and just do that. You know what I mean? I mean, that's what I want it to be, okay? That's how I would, you know, there's times I'd like to do that, but... But I can't, because... I know. I know. So, okay, you know, what you know, you just, you, I, I have to do something about it. It's not, you know, you can sit here and wish it was different, and then you look at it and you go, okay, this is it. All right, okay, and there's that moment where you go, <laughs> you know. I have to do something, don't I? Yeah, I really have to do it because I can't live with myself if I don't. And it's and that really is it. I don't care if someone thinks it's hard or easy. You see, you're either helping and contributing everything you can, or you're not. Okay? Uh, because I'm carrying my load. All right? And only that, as much as I'm carrying, I still feel like I got to do more. All right? There's still a thing of... Let's go. You can just see the look in their eyes. You know the ones that are doing, you know, and you know the spectators who are the ones that are going, well, it's easy for you, or what am I doing? And it's just, that thing is, uh, I've canceled that in my area. <laughs> it's like, man, you're either in or you're out. That's spectatorism, and it's something that that is, we have no time for it now. So it's our responsibility to educate create the new reality you know we have that responsibility to say hey this is the way it should be done because we do it this way and people are actually getting better and let's get it done you know let's really get it done and have enough love compassion and toughness that, that you're gonna do it uh and uh do it right and i have to tell you something i really it it is you know, it's rough and tumble, and it's wild and woolly, and it's a blast. It's a blast. It really is fun. Because, damn it, there's nothing better than to going out there and fighting a fight, and suddenly you see things are better. I want to know that I've done everything I could uh, every day. And I think about those people out there who are depending on us. 
think about that. And it does make me feel uh, like, man, I got You know, we got more work. I need more help. You know, get those spectators either in the playing field or out of the arena. You know, <laughs> that's how I really, that's how I feel about it. I do what I can, and I do it the way I do everything. <laughs> There's nothing part of the way for me. <laughs> It's just. <laughs> a Scientologist can be defined by a single question Would you want others to achieve the knowledge you now have? In answering that question, Tom Cruise has introduced LOH technology to over one billion people of Earth. And that's only the first wave he's unleashed, which is why the story of Tom Cruise, Scientologist, has only just begun. Here, the announcer says over a billion people, but the screen shows the more exact figure of 1.037 billion. Despite the efforts of Tom Cruise, Scientology has been losing more members than they've been gaining since the early 1990s. In the early 2000s, right around when Shelley was disappeared, David Miscavige came up with an interesting solution. Scientology was going to buy bigger, more impressive buildings for the church. Bigger buildings, according to David, mean more people would fill them. It was a, if you build it, they will come theory. A cynic would say, bigger buildings does not automatically bring in a higher number of converts, but bigger buildings does give the church a lot more real estate, and more real estate means more power in local governments. David called these new church buildings ideal organizations, or ideal orgs for short. David began telling Scientologists to donate money to the church so the church could purchase more impressive buildings, or better yet, parishioners could buy the buildings themselves and donate them to Scientology. This was the point in which the church stepped away from getting members to do religious services and instead began pushing members to give them money and property. Since the Ideal Org push started, parishioners have given tens of millions of dollars to Scientology, as well as a massive amount of property. Here is a portion of a typical Ideal Org donation advertisement the church put out to Scientologists. This ad goes on forever, but I'll start and end it on segments featuring Nancy Cartwright, who is also known as the voice of Bart Simpson. And then we're going to have more missions, more ideal orgs, more places, more safe little havens, more little islands of sanity for people to go to. That dwindling spiral that keeps going down will stop and then reverse. That's going to salvage this planet. That's what drives us. That's what motivates us. That's what the crusade for ideal orgs is all about. I don't need to tell you, you know, I will, but uh, I don't need to tell you they've got some issues here on this planet. Just look around. I mean, not now, later on, when you go outside. All you need to do, really, is take a look outside, pass the social veneer, go on the internet, spend one evening watching the news. You see it everywhere in the culture today. You see the billboards, you see TV, you see the reality shows. Viruses and economy and crashes, stock crashes, blah, 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 recession this, blah, 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 blah. There are no morals. Like, anything goes, anything's acceptable, anything's okay. The psychs are out there, and they have a lot of money backing them up. Without us actually doing something and changing the course of future, with us, like, ah, getting in there, um, 
It's a no-go, and I, I don't want to live like that for the rest of my eternity. If you think it's uncomfortable a bit doing what we're doing, try waking up in the morning clueless about how to handle your child. That's uncomfortable. Try waking up in the morning and hating your husband, you know, hating yourself. That's uncomfortable. We take it for granted, the things that we have. You know, we can go on course, we can do all these things, but it's like, but what about what about that guy out there that, that can't do that. And we present that that road out and give them a place where they know freedom can really be attained. You're bringing hope to people every time you put an ideal org anywhere. This is the way that we actually handle that. It's so important to me that people have a great future. So it's about the future. It's about right now. It's about tomorrow and all the tomorrows to come. And it's, it's making sure that Scientology is going to be there not only for everybody on this planet and your children, but also for you. This isn't just a small game. This is eternity. And when you make that investment into an ideal org, you're investing into your own eternity. Ideal orgs mean your children have a future. This incredibly wonderful, safe space that is an ideal org that they can proudly be married in, that they can proudly raise their own children in, that they can proudly be part of the greater Scientology community with. Ideal orgs are her future. <laughs> And imagine if every kid in every city had that place, had that safe haven. That's a new civilization right there. So the crusade is building your ideal org. Whose responsibility is it? I'm afraid it's ours. But the good news is, it's ours. It's not just something that a few Scientologists are going to put there. It's all Scientologists. I'm continuously asking myself every day, um, okay, well, what more can I do? I've got this little sign. I've got a, a chalkboard in my kitchen. You know what it says on it? Give more. Nancy Cartwright has donated over $10 million to Scientology. Months before this advertisement came out, Nancy Cartwright's fiancé, Stephen Brackett, committed suicide. According to the Monterey Herald, quote, friends and relatives of Brackett said he was despondent because of financial troubles with his business, unquote. It turned out his money problems came from donating millions of dollars to Scientology. The church covered up his suicide from Scientologists by reporting to them that Brackett died in a car accident. Nancy did not go to her former fiancé's funeral in an apparent effort to not draw media attention to Brackett's death. Brackett became one of the many people to disappear into the void of Scientology and never return. Shelley's disappearance was not related to Brackett's suicide, but I believe Scientology's ideal org scheme played a hand in both. In the next recording, I will talk about another aspect of Shelley's disappearance. This one involves something I've been wanting to bring to light since I made my first recording. It involves a prison made of trailers and scrap metal and a very, very intense game of musical chairs. As always, I will let Scientology have the final word. The man speaking in this upcoming clip is David Miscavige. It is just a small section of a speech he gave at a Scientology event held in 2006. It may be a little challenging to understand what David is talking about through all the Scientologies, and because he's insane, but what he's saying is gold. So I'm going to teach you some Scientologies before playing this clip. In Scientology, the term audit means to go through a specific process in which one heals themselves by confessing their sins. The idea is that your sins are stuck in your mind. They are stuck there literally with an electric charge. To get audited is to take away these sins by blowing the charges, like blowing fuses. 
So if you get audited, your sins are blown like fuses and cannot be turned on again. Next comes the phrase, three feet behind your head. This refers to being able to leave one's body and take control of things physically. Just like Patrick Swayze in Ghost, except in Scientology, you don't have to die to become a ghost. You can leave your body and go do whatever you wish, and then come back like nothing ever happened. Many Scientologists claim to have this ability. 30 seconds into the clip, David combines the concept of auditing with psychic abilities by saying that Scientology has created an anti-psychiatrist campaign to quote, literally audit this planet from three feet behind society's head and thereby remove the surface charge before it builds up and blows the whole works, unquote. This level of Scientology's puns is so thick here, even I don't understand the entirety of what that's supposed to mean. But David is basically saying that Scientology is making the population of Earth confess its sins through telepathic powers, and apparently just in time. If it weren't for Scientology, the population of the world would have built up so many sins it would have exploded, or something like that. He goes on to explain himself later in the clip, saying that Scientology is saving the world through both the Ideal Org program and Scientology's global war against the Sykes. Enjoy. And while we can't yet do it in the blink of an eye, you'll be amazed how much ground we can take when we do it as a strategically coordinated force. Because with accelerating speed through each passing month of this past year, we really did ignite all engines at the IES anniversary just two months ago. To quickly recap, those campaigns were specifically engineered to halt the dwindling spiral. Or more technically, to literally audit this planet from three feet behind society's head and thereby remove the surface charge before it builds up and blows the whole works. So yes, indeed, as a combined whole, you can label those strategies as planetary salvage, embracing all pivotal programs from the very top in the creation of new ideal orgs to the very bottom in eradicating the virus of aberration at its source. Accordingly, if not poetically, we're better to begin a year-end review than with our 2006 campaign to break the dark spell cast across Earth by psychiatry. By way of a recap, that campaign was expressly, maybe even diabolically, engineered to ignite both government action and media blizzard. It's also got an internal kicker, our mental health budget adjustment kit, which essentially works like a smart bomb in that it sniffs out psych fuel lines and blows the funding mechanism. And in that way, to put it bluntly, we booby-trap the whole psychiatric ecosystem. So while only nine weeks have passed since global activation, here's the preliminary action report. CCHR Central has a tracking board designed to measure collateral damage from our campaign rollout. It monitors both incoming complaints of psych abuse and outgoing psych alerts to state and federal prosecutors. And while it's sometimes tricky to determine just whose bomb hit the ammo dump, this much is blazingly clear. While it takes a psych eight years to earn his license, we've already yanked 21 in the last four weeks. <laughs> then there's all our campaign represents as a high-pressure system for an anti-psych climate, of which the best barometer is the anti-psych media index. And while CCHR trackers describe the last four weeks as highest ever, 
The sites themselves have a somewhat more descriptive name for it. Apocalypse Now. And here's the satellite view. The first of four plagues to visit psychiatrists in the wake of our campaign was a veritable storm of British press, more than 800 column inches mushrooming up from our launch site in England. Then came the 2,600 newspaper, magazine, and e-news articles like a cloud of locusts from elsewhere around the world, followed by a third swarm of news clips, documentaries, and televised forums. Then, just when Sykes thought the seas had parted and they could safely enjoy this holiday season, it all rained down, because what with CCHR-inspired hearings on the menace of new generation psych drugs, the age-old secrets of how Sykes cut deals with the FDA have finally come to light. And since the FDA can't get the toothpaste back in the tube, they just agreed to smear new black box warnings all over the antidepressant lineup, which in turn fueled an anti-psych media fest like something out of Revelations, and it looks like this. The Washington Post, the Washington Times, the New York Times, Chicago Tribune, Herald Tribune, USA Today, Associated Press, and all over network news. Until as of tonight, well, let me put it like this. At our IAS anniversary celebration, I told you sites were about to believe in the divine wrath of God, and sure enough, they now know that wrath is swift and certain, because in just the last eight weeks came 37,824 column inches of anti-psych press to mess them up but good. And that's our 2006 campaign for the global obliteration of psychiatry. <laughs>